Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to learn today that not all of us may face death. If the Lord should return before we actually die, guess what? We get to skip the whole dying thing. We get to go be with him. And I want to show you how important it is for our faith to be encouraged and reminded that the Lord is going to return. The Bible said, Jesus said, my coming will be like a thief in the night. If you're expecting a thief, you're going to greet him with a shotgun right at the door. Hey, you're not coming in. You know, you'd be prepared. But it's going to overtake many by surprise. As believers, it should never take us by surprise because Jesus told us, be dressed in readiness. Be ready. He didn't say when he would come. He said, only the Father knows when I'm coming. They asked him, when are you going to be back? He said, that's not for me to know. That's only for the Father. So if some guy gets up and starts preaching to you, I know when Jesus is coming back. Run. This guy is a false teacher. Just get out of here. But if he says, the Bible only tells us the signs of the times. And when you see these things begin to come to pass, that there'll be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, famines. What did Jesus say? Be dressed in readiness. Be ready. Get ready. Look up. Your redemption draws nigh. That means it's coming soon. I think we should be ready all the time for the coming of the Lord. In 1 John chapter 3, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God, the children of God. Another translation says, we're his kids. And because he loves us so much, he has adopted us into his family. Now, just before we go into Corinthians 15, let me start this off with what John the Apostle wrote there in 1 John chapter 3. In verse 2, he goes on and he says these words, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we shall be. But we know when he appears, we shall be made like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone, look at verse 3, everyone who has this hope, what hope? The hope of seeing Jesus. I'm being changed to be made like Jesus. When you see the Lord, guys, as a believer, he's going to clothe you instantly. This is what we've been talking about in Corinthians. Your mortal body will be swallowed up by immortal. Your corruption will be swallowed up by incorruption. You'll be made completely whole in his image when you see him. And everyone who has this hope, the hope that someday you're going to see the Lord and you're going to be changed. How many of you have that hope? Just a few of us, right? It's like the whole audience. Man, we can't wait to that day. But if you have that hope, you don't know when it will happen. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. But you live in anticipation that it could happen. I remember when Wally Dong was here helping us. He's on the mainland now in Idaho. But every Sunday we'd be setting up and he'd look at the mountain and be all cloudy. He'd be like, it's a good day. Jesus could come. He says his coming is going to be in the clouds. So every time it was cloudy, Wally would be like, all right, this could be it. Just the scene is set. We don't know what day, but this could be the day. And if you live like it could be today. Notice what John says. If you have this hope fixed on Jesus, it purifies you just as he is pure. There's a sweet 
work behind the scenes that God's spirit does in your spirit? Whenever you think, hey, the Lord could come back today. Does it make you think maybe a little differently if you thought, what if Jesus really was coming today? Would we stress about some of the stuff we're stressing about if the Lord was really coming? I mean, some of us be like, thank you, Jesus, you know, throw that to-do list away. The stuff we stress about so much when it's put into perspective of the Lord's. Or how many of us would be delivered from temptation if we thought, oh, Jesus could show up right now. Maybe we're tempted to go into some area of sin. It's our favorite area. It's our pet sin. And we're just about to go pet our pet. And the Lord goes, I'm coming. And we're like, Ooh, I don't want to be doing that when he comes. See, the hope of seeing Jesus purifies your heart. And that's why I think it's so masterfully taught to us by Jesus himself. I can only tell you the signs of the times. I can't tell you the day or the hour. Only the Father knows that. And I know it's because if we knew the day or the hour, well, the Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. And who can know them? We are so desperately wicked. If we knew the day, the very day, and the very hour of that day, you know what some guys would do? They'd be like, all right, I can sin until the day before. Maybe I repent midnight the night before. Yeah, it's going to be 6 a.m., they said, on the next day. I'll just party till late night, and then they'll repent 1 o'clock or so. The problem is we're desperately wicked. And if we think that we can somehow, okay, I can get away with this, and then I'll repent later. Well, Jesus didn't want to give us that loophole. So he says, I'm not telling you when I'm coming. Be ready all the time. Does that keep me a little more pure in the eyes of the Lord? Does that make me walk a more straight and narrow walk when I think, hey, man, he could come any minute. I don't know. I would like him to come, like I've said before. I'd like him to come like on a sermon like today. Guys, for the rest of eternity, I'd be going, I told you we should be ready. We didn't know when, but it could be any minute. And then he boop to do the trump and the clouds parted. And some people ask me, where did I get that whole thing about the clouds parting and the whole trump? I'll show you that too, if you want, because these are important things that, I mean, I think they're foundational things for your faith. What if you have a young person that's new in their faith? And they're like, where does it say that? Could you tell them where it is in the scripture? That we get this idea of a trumpet blowing before his return. And the clouds. Or the sky, it says, renting, being torn asunder, like a big curtain, peeled back. And then behind the curtain, we see the Lord. And it says, and a multitude. And my daughter, Joy, she always liked this part when I would go over this because she was into horses when she was little. And there was flying horses. In this story, she was like, oh, this is better. The Bible's even better. We become in on flying horses. This is good. Now, that's found in Revelation, that part. But the promise of our Lord's return and his return in the sky, that the sky being peeled back, that whole thing is spelled out in great detail in the book of Revelation. But it was even foretold at his ascension in the book of Acts. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. I want to show you this. One of the sweet passages. We actually have this on the authority of the angels that we're standing by. I like this one. After Jesus died and rose from the dead and showed himself by many convincing proofs alive from the dead over a period of 40 days, 
It says here in verse 3, he spoke of all the things concerning the kingdom of God to his disciples. And after this, verse 9 tells us, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud, a cloud receives him out of their sight. Can you just picture this? Here's this cloud. Just, oh, I gotcha. And just opens up. Oh, and it says, and while they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. These are angels. They said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? I like this in the Greek. Why do you stand gawking is our closest word. It's literally in the Greek. Why do you stand with your mouth unhinged? Their jaw dropped. Listen to the words of the angels to Jesus' disciples. Why are you guys with your mouth all hanging down unhinged? Don't you know that this Jesus that has been taken up from you into heaven will come just in the same way, the same manner as which you have seen him go? Can you just picture this? Do you guys remember when Philip, if you read a little further in Acts, he gets martyred for his faith? And they're throwing rocks at him, stoning him. And his words were, Father, forgive them. I'd be like, Lord Zotsam, but, you know, he was, he was more gracious. And it says he looked up and he saw Jesus standing to receive him at the right hand of the Father. And I always wonder, okay, he's being stoned to death. He's standing on the earth and he's looking up to the sky and he sees Jesus standing next to the Father's throne. How far away is God's throne? Have you ever thought about this? How far away is heaven? Or is heaven just a different dimension that we're blinded from the fact it's right there? I mean, you just peel the curtain of cloud back and there is heaven. How many of you think heaven's really, really millions and billions of miles away? I don't think so. I have a feeling the Lord is sitting right behind the curtain and we just don't get it. And Philip sees him and goes, oh, I see Jesus standing to receive me. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. He gets martyred for his faith. But these angels look at the men that had followed Jesus for all these years like, what is wrong with you guys? Why are you so amazed? Why are your jaws hanging down like that? <gasps> the angels saying, don't you know? The same way that you saw him go is the same manner he's going to come. You look at Revelation, and the sky will peel back the clouds, and he will come forth with his multitudes following him, this whole myriad upon myriads of believers behind him. Now, I don't want to get into all the details of that yet because I get ahead of myself. Paul kind of had a few questions that the church at Corinth had been asking him about this whole heavenly body thing. How's it going to work? What kind of bodies are we going to have? And how's this whole scene going to come down? This is important for our faith. Really important that we latch on to the hope we have. Guys, we have such a great hope. We're going to be upgraded so good by the Lord. We're going to be changed from these old bodies into new bodies, heavenly bodies. In verse 49, we read this verse. It says, just as we have borne the image of the earthy, this physical body, so also we will bear the image of the heavenly. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This body can't go into the heavenlies the way it is. Jesus' body, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, we saw 
with Moses and Elijah. What happened to Jesus' body when he visited with those two fellows that had come from heaven? His turned radiant white and shine brighter than the sun. His garments whiter than any wanderer on earth could make them. He was transformed right in front of them into that heavenly image. And just as you bear the image of the earthy, Paul says the earthy comes first, but then comes the heavenly. This is the hope of our faith. Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, and nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We can't take on this imperishableness in this perishable body. This thing is meant to be laid aside. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That's the old way of saying we will not die. We will not all die, but we all will be changed. For in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trump will sound, and it will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. This is so fast. You know what a twinkle of the eye is? That's light refracting off of a flash of light as it refracts off your eyeball. It's faster than a snap. It's like, do you think we should teach kids that someday this is what we have to look forward to? When that trump sounds, the transformation of the church will happen all at once. So quickly that the people are sitting there going, I'll wait till I see it. Sorry. Too late. You need to get ready now. So that when it happens, you're included. Don't be foolish about this. Get ready now. For this perishable, verse 53 says, it must put on imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. Do you understand? We got to be changed. But when the perishable will have put on the imperishable and the mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying. Isaiah 25, verse 8. The saying is, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is no longer going to have its victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Hosea said that. Hosea 13, verse 14. Oh, death, where is your sting? You have no more power, no more stinger. Sorry, you cannot hurt me. Death cannot touch you again. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and knowing that your toil in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever you do in the work of the Lord is not vain. It's not empty. Jesus said, he's going to say to those, well done, good and faithful servant. When I was hungry, he gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, he gave me to drink. When I was imprisoned, you visited me. It says that we're going to answer in Matthew's gospel. It says, we're going to say, when do we see you sick? When do we see you hungry? When do we see you thirsty? And what's Jesus' answer going to be to his sheep? When you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Don't be fooled. Everything you do in toil for the Lord, you're going to receive a reward. Now, I know that God knows we're reward-driven. I'm sure of it. We're just wired for treasure. Jesus said, don't store up treasure on earth because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. You know, you can really work hard to get treasure down here and poof, it can be gone so quickly. But Jesus said, store your treasure up in heaven. 
Where your treasure is, your heart will also be there. And he knew we were wired for treasure. You can't keep treasure here forever. When you do your work to the Lord, the Lord says, it's like you did it to me. I will repay you. Don't be fooled. Paul knew that sometimes we kind of grow weary of well-doing. Look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable. Immovable in what? Immovable in your faith. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work, your toil, is not in vain. Do you guys know that the Lord will reward you for what you do? Do you know he'll reward you when you give to the work of the Lord? You go, Lord, I want to honor you. Here, I'm giving to the work of the Lord. Wherever he tells you to give and you give, he rewards you. Jesus said it. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, he says, pressed down, shaken together, running over is what you'll receive when you give. Do you guys know that this is the only place in the whole of this Bible? Old and New Testament combined, there is only one passage that says you are allowed to test the Lord in one thing. You get to try him out on one thing. It's found in the book of Malachi. Malachi says, try me in this. Bring in the whole tithe to honor me. And if you bring in the tithe to honor me, see if I, this is God speaking, will not open the windows of heaven and pour out on you blessings until you have no more need. Not no more want. Your needs will be met if you honor God. You honor me and see if I won't take care of you. You can hear about tithing and go, that was a great message, but I ain't tithing. And then you say, well, how come I don't get no blessings? You kind of miss the hear and obey part, the do. What does James say? Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. It's not about just hearing about the things of the Lord. It's being a doer of the thing. If I say to you, Jesus said, love one another. And you go, that was a great message, preacher. You said we were supposed to love one another. Jesus said that. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, I hate that guy. Get out of my way. Now, if I tell you love those like Jesus says to, but you hear it, but you don't love. Do you see the problem with hearing these words, but not applying them, not obeying them? It doesn't mean anything. There's going to be some that he's going to say in Matthew 24, depart from me, you accursed. You workers of iniquity. And they're going to answer it similar to what we're going to say. When do we see you hungry? When do we see you thirsty? And he's going to say, when you didn't do it to the least of my brethren, you didn't do it to me. He's given us all opportunity to do what he commands. He gives us the chance. And he gives us the chance to see the fruit of doing it with cool things that he does when he opens those windows of heaven and pours out those blessings. You keep honoring him, he keeps doing more things. Now, a church, a whole church, if all of you this week would stay ready for the coming of the Lord, how effective would we be for shining for the Lord this week? Everyone here goes, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to have my heart right with him. Would it change our week at all in this community? Would it change our witness to this community? The stuff we would usually stress about, we'd be like, I'm not stressing. Peter said it in his epistle. Since all these things are to be burnt up, what kind of people ought we to be in holiness and godly conduct? 
All this stuff is going to burn. I'm here to tell you, we need to keep an eternal perspective. And the eternal perspective is the Lord is going to come. Not all of us are going to die. But we're all going to be changed, Paul said. Be ready. Be dressed in readiness. Just remember, the Lord's coming. Don't let anything sidetrack you. There's just too much in this world competing for our affection. And we need to just say, Lord, give me the right perspective. Let me keep my eyes on you. Let me remember you're going to change me. I'm here to say soberly in the spirit, wake up if you're not ready. If you're already ready, just keep remembering your toil is not in vain. You're going to get a reward. For you that are already ready, this is just a good reminder. Stay busy. Continue doing what you are doing. Don't sweat it, okay? And you'll be fine. For those of you who are not ready, your spirit's going, oh, oh, I don't like this topic. Could you go to something else? That tells me your heart is not ready for the coming of the Lord. You need to get right. And hopefully your spirit is able to hear today, this is a good day to get ready. Because we don't know what day or hour. It could be any minute and you wouldn't be ready. And you're not going to have time to repent. When twinkle of eye speed goes, that's faster than a snap. We're gone, man. All of us will be caught up. You'll be left here. And you'll be going, oh, man, I should have done what that preacher said. I should have got ready. And by the way, I don't recommend the alternate plan. Some guys are like, it's okay. After the rapture, I'll just get martyred for the faith. You know, because it says the martyrs will be saved by the giving of their lives. If you won't live for Jesus now, what makes you think you'll die for him then? That's my retort to you that are lazy spiritually and don't want to get right now. Wake up, man. Get right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is a good day to get right. Don't be thinking, yeah, it's okay. After the rapture, everything goes downhill. Then I'll know God is real, and then I'll get right. Come on. If you can't get right when the getting right is good, this is the good time. Do it now. Don't be waiting till later. Only the devil would twist our thinking to go down that trail. That's wrong thinking. The Spirit says, today is the acceptable day of salvation. Today is the right day to repent. Today is the right day to get your heart right and let God purify your heart so you're ready. And today, for those of you that are already walking good in the Lord, today's a good day to remind you, you're not toiling in vain. All that you do, Jesus is going to reward you. He's going to say, well done. Good job. Good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest, he's going to say. I can't wait for those words. When he says, come on. Good job. Let's go. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, CelebrateTheLord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. It's wonderful, it's wonderful what Jesus did for me. It's wonderful, it's wonderful what He can do for you. My life's a celebration of His wondrous love for me. And I'm just working here while He prepares eternity. Jesus is the Lamb.
Y sí, 